Intuitive eating for the culture, because we love vegetables, just not unseasoned. Hey guys, it's your host, Christina Johnson, a registered dietitian based in Dallas, Texas. An intuitive eater, a girl who loves coffee and avocados, and your inside source on intuitive eating. Hey guys, it's a new week, so it's time for another episode. And this week, I want to talk about self-objectification and how that shows up in our life, how that shows up in diet culture and how we can sort of walk away from it. And I think it's important to start with the definition of self-objectification, which, um, and this is my own definition of it because the definition I feel is a little too narrow and so I'm going to extend it out a bit. And to me, self-objectification is viewing myself through the lens of someone else. And when I say I'm viewing myself through the lens of someone else, I really mean I'm using someone else's eyes and their standard to look at myself. And that, in and of itself, really disconnects us from ourselves because we are no longer looking at ourselves for our own approval. We're looking at ourselves for the approval of someone else. And this oftentimes creates um, an environment that we are no longer as focused on internal things right? Internal things being character or um, ethics, morality, those sorts of things. It now becomes our physical appearance, the way that people can immediately consume us just by looking at us. And this could be um, our size, our shape, our weight. This could be hair color, makeup, um, the clothes that we wear. It could be the career that we choose. It could be the amount of education that we seek, right? It is not unknown that women sometimes don't seek higher education for fear of being less partnerable. Um, It is, and this is where I'm going to bring in something that's not necessarily in the original definition, but I think is important to talk about. This could be viewing yourself through the lens of someone else, meaning that that someone else is viewing yourself through the lens of white people. So white meaning like Northern European, um, viewing yourself through that lens and deciding if you are um, acceptable. And so in many ways, this shows up in sort of the circles of people of color. This shows up as um, colorism in that certain skin tones, lighter skin tones are viewed as more acceptable, more desirable. Um, They are given more credibility, you know, clout, if you will, for nothing other than the fact that it's genetic for them. And darker skin tones are viewed as less than, less worthy, less intelligent, lazy, right? There's a whole list of descriptors I can use. None of them really actually apply. And it could show up in, um, I believe it's called texturism, in the way that we view hair texture, in that straight hair is, quote, the standard, and then anything after that is a deviation. And the closer that you are to straight hair becomes the most, quote, acceptable or desirable type of hair meaning that a looser curl pattern or a looser wave pattern is more acceptable than kinky or curly hair. This could be tone policing and making sure that you sound, quote, educated. You, I don't know if you can hear me waving my hands in absolute disgust, but like, yikes. Um, the number of times in my life that I've been told that I sound educated. Saying that someone sounds educated is not a compliment. It is a euphemism for saying they sound white. And 
I don't even know how you can sound educated other than using really large words that you may or may not know the definition to. Um, I liken this to saying that, you know, complimenting weight loss, like it's not a compliment. You're saying that someone looks better in a particular body than they do in another body and thus making the other body, the body that they're not currently existing in, bad. And there is no right way to talk. I am no more educated because I sound educated. Um, And quite frankly, I will snatch you up while sounding educated. So I wouldn't recommend it, but that belief that the sound of your voice makes you more acceptable it makes you more tolerable because really the white gaze for anyone that's not white is just tolerability can I tolerate you as a person because you are close enough to me and so all of these things these outward things that we are trying to police clothing body size tone hair shape weight all of these things are very outward things. They are things that over time will change and we have no control over for the most part because they're genetic. And I'm going to very gently challenge you to assess these outward things that we do not have that much control over, how policing them really lines up with your values. If you work with me as a client, you know we talk so much about the things that we value in this life, right? So I oftentimes will have them give me their top three values. And if we are looking at your top three values, the things that make you tick in this lifetime that help you decide what you're going to do, does the policing of yourself line up with those values? Because oftentimes the policing of ourselves disconnects us inherently from ourselves it disconnects us from our own desires and hopes and dreams and wishes it disconnects us from the people around us it disconnects us from our family it disconnects us um oftentimes from our own culture depending on what our culture is right so if you are a person of color policing yourself through the white gaze is going to disconnect you from your own culture and all of those things do not line up I can assume pretty safely with your values. If you value spending time with your family, but you are taken away from doing that because you are focused on going to the gym or eating just the right thing or looking a certain way and you need to spend time at the store, you need to spend time getting your hair done to do that, spending time doing your makeup instead of actually investing in quality time with people that you care about, that is not going with your value. That is not honoring your values. Um, however this sort of looks for your life, I can't really determine that for you, but I just want to provide that gentle challenge of really asking, is this policing that I'm doing of myself, does it line up with my values? Editing Christina here. Um, I want to just remind you that if you are doing something because it genuinely brings you joy and, and is a form of self-care, like putting on makeup or, um, you know, if you are engaging in joyful movement, and it feels good to you, it feels good in your body, it helps you feel your best, and it's not in service of any sort of disorder or diet culture, like, that's absolutely fine. I support that. I commend that. What I'm really getting at here is if the thing that you're doing, if it feels compulsive, if it feels like I am less worthy, I am less valuable, that if I don't do this thing, if it is I can't leave the house, I can't be with people, be seen, be around people, If I'm not doing this thing, that's where I'm saying this is becoming a self-policing behavior. As we wrap this episode up, I just want to leave you with 
putting on your curious pants and being very non-judgmental about how you're experiencing this in your life. Um, this is a more difficult topic, if you ask me, not just um, the race aspect of it, but I think even just the original definition that is contingent upon male gaze towards females, and I think that that's very um, narrow and that it's very uh, cis-normative, if you will, and not everyone is affected by, well, everyone's affected by the male gaze, but not everyone is affected equally by the male gaze. And so I think it's important to broaden that definition, but I think it's also really difficult because that really calls into play a lot of things that go on around us and takes the onus off of us, the individual, and puts it on, puts it back in its rightful place on society, knowing that we don't occur in a vacuum. I, as a person, don't occur in a vacuum. You don't occur in a vacuum. And knowing that if we don't occur in a vacuum, then the things that help us shape who we are as a person also don't occur in a vacuum. And as you're going through this process, I think the way that I've found that's helpful, but this doesn't mean it's going to be helpful for you, is to first just call attention to the fact that this is something that you are living with, right? Um, saying like, oh wait, maybe maybe the things that I think towards myself aren't really my own thoughts. And maybe the things that I, the way that I've conceptualized being whatever I think is successful or right isn't um, necessarily quote right. And then from there saying, okay, well, where did I get this definition? Where did I get this definition of a successful person? Where did I get this definition of what it means to display gender? Where did I get this definition of sexuality? Where did I get this definition of, of beauty, of attractiveness, um, desirability? And once we look at that definition, determining like, well, what do I actually find beautiful or attractive or successful? What do I actually think makes a... Um, a quote good person and when I say good I mean someone who um well what is your definition of good because my definition of good is it's different than yours maybe I hope that you are doing well I hope that you are rested and well nourished I hope that you are doing things that take care of yourself and are kind to yourself and as always I believe you I trust you and you can do hard things until next time <laughs>